0: Well, so glad you're here. I uh, hate to pull you away from building your snowmen and, and making your snow angels and everything. Anyway, but uh, it was kind of fun to see some flurries yesterday morning. And, uh, but, then it, but you know, it was great. It snowed, flurried for about an hour or so, and then it was over. And then the sun came out, and I was like, that's the kind of snow I like. Yeah, get out there and see it, and then just, hey, it's all done. Right? Back to reality. Well, an atheist one day was, was walking through the woods He was looking at all the things that that god had created but he was just thinking to himself wow it's amazing how how that kind of came together in randomness and what kind of random trees and what powerful rivers and all these beautiful animals that kind of evolved over the years he was thinking to himself and as he was walking beside a river uh, he heard a rustling in the bushes behind him and he turned to look and there was a seven foot tall grizzly bear coming right at him right so he ran away as fast as he could up the path and he looked over his shoulder and there was the grizzly bear closing in on him somehow he ran even faster and he he got scared and he started screaming and crying and and he looked again the bear was even closer his heart was pounding and he he tried to run even faster and then he tripped as you know what sometimes you run fast that happens right he he tripped and he and he fell to the ground and he rolled over to pick himself up but, but the bear was, was right over him and, and, and reaching for him with his left paw getting ready to, to, to strike him and then right then the atheist cried God help me and time stopped. The bear froze, the forest was silent, even the river stopped moving and a bright light shone up in the heavens and a voice came out and said, you deny my existence for all these years you teach others that i don't exist you even credit creation to a cosmic accident yet you expect me to help you out of this predicament am i to count you as a believer atheists looked directly into the light and said i would feel like a hypocrite to become a christian after all these years but perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. Very well, said the voice. The light went out. The river started running again. The sounds of the forest resumed. Then the bear dropped his paw, brought both paws together, bowed its head and spoke. Lord, I am truly thankful for this food which I'm about to receive. Some of you saw it coming some of you didn't all kidding aside why do people refuse to believe in jesus why do some people reject jesus what exactly is it that they are rejecting today we're going to be looking at what exactly they're rejecting when they say they don't believe in jesus we are in luke chapter 4 verse 20 we did cover verse 20 last week but we're kind of doing an overlap so verse 20 on down says this jesus he he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Verse 23. And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months. And a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff but passing through their midst he went away father in heaven we thank you for being able to be here today i thank you for those that uh, you have led here today that get out of the cold and, uh, and and come in this warm sanctuary we we thank you for those that are watching online as well that they're able to do so today and be a part of this church worship service. Father, today we're looking at some truths about people who rejected your son, Lord. And we know, as Scripture tells us, but for the grace of God, that would be us. So Lord, help us look at this passage, not as people who feel some type of pride in their salvation, because we cannot take any, but as people who would have a burden in a heart for those who've rejected you, And put in our heart, Lord, how we can reach those as we understand what it is, Lord, uh, that they've rejected. Let us be witnesses. Let us be salt and light to those that we know, Lord. Lord, I pray that my words are yours, that they reflect your heart today, that you fill me with your spirit as we hear your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to give us uh, three reasons why people reject Jesus. Three reasons why people reject Jesus. Jesus, number one, some reject the divinity of Jesus. Some reject the divinity of Jesus. They don't doubt he existed. They doubt he was God. Verse 20 tells us this. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture... Has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Now, at first, the people, as we spoke last week, they, they were proud that Jesus, who had grown up in that town, he had grown up in that synagogue, was reading scripture and was preaching. And they were happy to hear from him. Yet, as they sat there and listened to what he said, some began to wonder what he meant by when he said this scripture has been fulfilled. There was really three takeaways of what he could have meant. Some could have thought that he was just simply saying that the Messiah was was on his way, and they would all agree with that. Some could have thought that possibly Jesus meant that the Messiah was now here, which also they could have seen maybe. But that itself would have been controversial. But then three, some realized Jesus was indeed speaking about himself, that he was the Messiah, and that he had just read Scripture saying that he was here. So he says, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your presence, and he sat down. And that would be much more than controversial to the people in the synagogue. It would be blasphemous in their eyes if you did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah so the last two choices would have been topics of discussion so some are whispering to each other I can see this now who does this man think he is isn't this Joseph, the carpenter's son the guy down the street that that makes chairs and tables the little boy that we saw run up and down these hallways comes back here and did he say he was the Messiah, right? Is he telling us that the Scripture has been fulfilled today? Mark sheds more light on this. Look at Mark chapter 6. His account says this. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the The son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon are not his sisters, like sitting right over here, (laughs) right? And they took offense at him. This is just Jesus, Joseph's son, the sisters right over there. I grew up with them. This is not a Messiah. I mean, it's great that he's here today, but what is he saying? Jesus continues, verse 23. He said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Jesus begins to expand on his statement that he is, in fact, the Messiah. He says, there will come a day where they'll make fun of him. They'll quote that proverb that they knew back in the day. Physician, heal yourself, right? They'll say, if you're some healer that are healing people, if you're some doctor, why don't you just heal yourself? This actually happened when he was on the cross. Look at Luke 23. The people stood by watching, but rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God. The chosen one. Of course, we know if Jesus had saved himself, we'd all be going to hell. So he didn't. Yet we know that the people did not believe in Jesus. His own hometown rejected him. Mark reveals this truth as well. Look at Mark 6. It says here in his account that he could do no mighty work there in his hometown except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Here's a man who'd been going around the countryside, healing people, gets to his hometown, and they say, what? This? No. A few people that were sick, he healed them. But that was it. And Jesus himself marveled, marveled at their unbelief. They did not believe in the divinity of Jesus. They did not believe he was God. They believed in his humanity, but they rejected the divinity. And Jesus is fully man, fully God, but they did not believe the second part of that. There's a famous person who says this right here, and I'll tell you who said it when I'm done with it. This is what he says. He said, a young man whose father is a carpenter grows up working in his father's shop. He has no formal education He owns no property of any kind. One day he puts down his tools and walks out of his father's shop. He starts preaching on street corners and in the nearby countryside, walking from place to place, preaching all the while, even though he is in no way an ordained minister, he never gets farther than an area perhaps a hundred miles wide at most. He does this for three years, then he's arrested tried and convicted. There is no court of appeal, so he is executed at the age of 33 along with two common thieves. Those in charge of his execution roll dice to see who gets his clothing, the only possessions he has. His family cannot afford a burial place, so he is interested in a borrowed tomb. End of story? No. This uneducated, propertyless young man who preached on street corners for only three years, who left no written word, has for 2,000 years had a greater effect on the entire world than all the rulers, kings, and emperors, all the conquerors, the generals, and admirals, all the scholars, scientists, and philosophers who ever lived, all put together. How do we explain that? unless he really was what he said he was, Ronald Reagan. Some reject the divinity of Jesus, even when the evidence is there. Some, however, don't look at the evidence. Some just ignore the things that he has said, which takes us to number two. Some reject the language of Jesus. Maybe they feel like, well, he could be a God, but I don't agree with what he said. I think that's where we are in our country right now. A lot of people are, 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 are more spiritual than maybe realize. There's some type of God. There's some type of being. I don't really agree with what Jesus has said. That's where a lot of people are. Look what, he he ties in verse 24, how they reject him as being similar to how they rejected the Old Testament prophets. Look at verse 24. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Jesus is saying that, that at the time of famine, where it didn't rain, for three and a half years, think about that. We, we haven't even been in this pandemic for two years yet. and It feels like 20. Three and a half years, no rain. There were Israelite widows who needed help, but they did not believe. So Elijah went to a Sidonite woman who believed. There were lepers in israel in the time of elisha yet they didn't believe they could be healed so god didn't heal them and he healed assyrian so jesus is saying i should not be surprised if you reject me because your forefathers rejected the prophets as well and for mighty works to be done he had to leave israel for that to happen the tragic irony is that the people who claimed to be about God's word, didn't listen to God's word. We gotta be careful as believers, we don't go down that path. We can't say, this is my authority. It's all about God's word. It's all about scripture, but then not believe it. Be careful that we believe what Jesus has said. If we want to say, we believe it. These people, they use God's word to, to push their own religious agenda. They use God's word to push their own political agenda. It's great that doesn't happen today. It's all about what Jesus said. We take our lives and we conform our lives to the word of Christ, not the opposite of way. We don't fit Jesus' word with our lives. We fit our lives with the word of God. So they didn't believe in him because he didn't fit their narrative. He didn't fit what they wanted in a Messiah. They wanted this general that would take over the Roman Empire, that's not who he was. He was going to kill something, but it was going to be sin and death. And Jesus says that to him, and that did not make them very happy. He says that not only will Jews reject me, but non-Jews will receive me, is what he says. You know, There's many things that people can't receive about the language of Jesus. Look at John 14. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus doesn't give us the option to make him an option. He says, you're either with me or you're not. It's no in between. He didn't say, I'm one road to heaven. No, he said, I'm the way. He didn't say, I'm one truth system to, to believe. And he said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I'm one life to live. That's a soap opera. He said, I'm the life. This statement is rejected in our society as a whole. Our society values the plurality of truth. There's many truths for many people, depending on who you are. Truth is not objective, subjective. It's what you want it to be. Even though that assertion in itself is an objective truth. (laughs) That is a statement itself, so the logic doesn't add up. The real issue is a person doesn't want to hear it. The human heart doesn't want to hear it. The human heart doesn't want to possibly reevaluate their life. Look at Matthew 19, 14. Jesus said this too Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Faith is so easy. It's so clear that a child knows it to be true. Children recognized Jesus and they came to him. They recognized him. And he says, this is how you enter heaven. Not through education. Not through IQ tests. Not through experience. But a childlike Faith, that believes that Jesus is who he is. What else does Jesus say that people have a problem with? Look at Luke chapter 5. Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. That's why I don't go to the doctor unless I'm sick, by the way. Anyway, it's kind of a bad joke. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Sinners. To repentance see some some don't view themselves as sick that's what he's saying do you know why because they've been sick so long they don't realize they're sick you know years ago had a surgery done had a gallbladder taken out minor pretty minor major for me minor for everybody else I didn't realize how sick I was because I've been living with it for so long but then after a while I was like, wow, it's nice to be able to eat fried chicken again. It's nice to be able to do this again. It's nice to be able to gain weight, although I don't say that now. When you're sick long enough, you forget you're sick until you are healed. Amen? Many of y'all know that. Spiritual sickness is the same way. Oh, I I don't need Jesus. Yeah, you do. You've forgotten what it's like to not be sick. It's not until after someone is healed do they remember what it was like to not be sick. You know, some just simply reject the words of Jesus because those words will force them to change their lives. I recently heard a psychologist say that when an issue is presented to us for the first time, whatever our initial belief is, that initial belief is very hard to change. Well, that's why it's great to teach, teach children Jesus, because usually one of the first beliefs they hear. Not that you have to have that to believe, but it, that, that's what they say. So in order to change, we have to be truly objective. We have to truly look at the facts of an issue. We have to do some reading on the topic and then see if we could have possibly been wrong. I, I came to faith in an early, early life, early childhood. I've been to seminary and all this kind of stuff. But I've also studied all the other religions. And I'm still a believer. So nobody can say to me, well, you're a Christian because you were born in America. That's not the reason. God saved me. I had an opportunity. But I've studied all the other religions as well. And nothing is close to Christianity. Nothing is close to what God promises. But for those who do not have that, many times it takes More. It's always a supernatural work, but it takes more. So people reject Jesus because they don't think they're sick. And finally, number three, you can reject the divinity of Jesus and the language of Jesus. And number three, some reject his humanity, actually. Maybe they think he could be God, but this Jesus person is a myth. He never existed. There's a God out there. But Jesus wasn't a real person. Verse 28. And we see them reject Jesus right here. When they heard these things, Jesus had said, they did not like. All in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and they drove him out of the town. It wasn't just good to to get him out of the building. They took him out of the town. They took him down 17 and said, have not Somerville. Out of our town. And they brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. They rejected Jesus as a man of God, a prophet, so they tried to eliminate him. His own hometown people tried to kill him. Can you imagine that? Own hometown people. People he grew up with. Men he used to respect, probably, as a child. Could have even been some people that changed his diaper. You don't know. People he knew did not want to hear what he had to say. Now, ironically, this attempted murder from a tall height is similar to the third temptation of Jesus that he had had the chapter before. Satan said, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself down off this off this hill and survive. Well, we're not sure exactly how he survived, didn't really give us the detail, but he escaped. He miraculously escaped, and he left town, and some scholars believe he never returned again. Now, some of you have never returned to your hometowns, maybe you're okay with it. Jesus, I'm sure, was not, but he had no choice. He left town because they rejected him as for who he was. He was fully God and fully human and what a sad day to be rejected by his own people and never come back again. Amen. Well, many years ago, it was a late one Christmas day and there was a resident in this really wealthy community of California uh, and they, and there was a community that, and, and there was a They were accompanied, a man man was accompanied by his wife, and he was accompanied by his children, and and they went out to sing carols to the neighbors on Christmas Day. And they were going from house to house, and they came to one house, and a woman opened the door all distraught, and she said, look, fella, I'm just too busy for that. (laughs) My plumbing is broken. I can't get anybody to fix it. There's a mob of people coming to my house for dinner. i got to prepare. If you really feel like singing carols, why don't you come back later, like around 9 o'clock, okay? Well, yes, ma'am, replied Bing Crosby respectfully. And the voice of Christmas uh, took his family to another house. She didn't know who he was. Imagine Bing Crosby coming and singing Christmas carols. And you just say, I, I don't have time for that. You know, rejection doesn't have much to do with the person being rejected. Rejection has more to do with the person doing the rejecting. If it was about the person being rejected, then Jesus would have never been rejected because he's perfect sinless it's about the person doing the rejecting that don't have time for someone I could have blessed their day if you know if you do not know Jesus today have you rejected him today this is a good day to, to turn from your sins and acknowledge that you've rejected him and say Lord I believe you are who you said you are. I believe that you have lived a sinless life and died a sinner's death on the cross. And I believe that through your resurrection, you have purchased eternal life for all who would believe. You can make that decision today. But if you know Jesus, like I suspect many of us in here do, let's be careful not to reject Jesus him for who he is. Let's be careful not to reject him for what he said. Let's pray for those in our lives that do not know him. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today. We thank you so much for, for your word. Lord, let us look in our own lives where we deny your word or we just ignore it because it's going to force us to change in some way. Father, open our hearts to your word today. Lord, even though most of us in here believe in you, let us not act like the Nazarenes who wanted nothing to do with Jesus and who threw Him out of their synagogue. Lord, it's my prayer that you will never be thrown out of this church building, Father. Your gospel will never be thrown out of First Baptist Monks Corner. We thank you so much for the people here that love you. We'll make sure that never happens. Father, we thank you for our church being 101 years old being salt and light to our community, that we will continue to be that as we continue to make disciples and reach the loss with your eternal message of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.